0: i think i can beat mike tyson that was the title of the 1989 hit by dj jazzy jeff and the fresh prince Years before the Fresh Prince became the world-famous movie star, Will Smith, of course. In this special bonus episode of this podcast, you'll hear all about the man who really did beat Mike Tyson, and in so doing, followed in the footsteps of the trailblazing Black women who became world champions in pro wrestling back in the day. That's coming up on Lady Wrestler, the story behind the story. welcome to another edition of lady wrestler the story behind the story this podcast gives you an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at the documentary lady wrestler the amazing untold story of african american women in the ring the documentary chronicles the accomplishments of black women who broke racial and gender boundaries in the male-dominated wrestling business in the 1950s 60s and 70s i'm chris borne and i directed the documentary This is a bonus episode to the previous episode, episode 13, in which I described how world champions such as 2021 Hall of Fame inductee Ethel Johnson, Babs Wingo, Marva Scott, Ramona Isbell, and Kathleen Wembley come from a long tradition of legendary athletes who were either born in or lived in Columbus, Ohio at some point. Columbus also happens to be my hometown. In the previous episode of this podcast, I shared the history of Olympian Jesse Owens, who grew up in Cleveland before becoming a track star at Ohio State in Columbus, and went on to make history at the 1936 Olympic Games in Berlin, Germany. I spoke about two-time Heisman Trophy winner and Buckeye football star, Archie Griffin. And I reported on international movie star and bodybuilding icon, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who holds his annual fitness festival in columbus well there's a couple of names that need to be added to that list of champions who made a name for themselves in ohio's capital city football great bill willis and boxing world champion buster douglas The African-American women profiled in the Lady Wrestler documentary blazed many trails, broke many boundaries, shattered many a glass ceiling. They achieved many firsts. Babs Wingo became the first Black woman to integrate pro wrestling when she was recruited by a notorious promoter, Billy Wolf, in the early 1950s. She also became the first Black female wrestler to participate in an interracial championship when she took on world champ, Mildred Burke, who just happened to be Billy Wolf's wife at the time. And phenomenal talent runs in the Wingo family. Bab's younger sister, Marva Scott, became a legend in her own right, wrestling in places as far away from Columbus as Tokyo, Japan, and Sydney, Australia. And another sister, the middle sister, Ethel Johnson, made her mark by becoming the first African American champion in women's wrestling. These three talented sisters come from a prestigious line of history-making athletes who hail from Columbus, a lineage of athletic royalty, if you will. That lineage includes the one and only Bill Willis. is considered to be the first African-American starter in professional football, a feat he achieved during his distinguished career with the Cleveland Browns from 1946 to 1953. A Columbus native, Willis first gained national attention as a lineman for the Ohio State Buckeyes football team from 1942 to 1944. He was a three-year starter, playing both offense and defense, He was a key part of the Buckeyes' 1942 National Championship squad. In another first, Willis became Ohio State's first such African-American football player to earn All-American honors in 1943 and 1944. After racking up an impressive list of accomplishments on the football field, Willis went on to a career as director of the Ohio Youth Commission and was inducted into the Ohio High School, Ohio State Athletics, college football and pro football halls of fame. The father of three sons lived his entire life in the Columbus area. Following his death in 2007 at the age of 86, Willis posthumously achieved another first, He became the first lineman and first defensive player to have his jersey number, number 99, retired in ceremonies at halftime during the Ohio State versus Wisconsin game on November 3rd, 2007, at Ohio Stadium. Bill Willis is the ultimate Buckeye, said Gene Smith. Ohio State's director of athletics his record of accomplishment on the field and the class and dignity he exudes exemplify the qualities of Ohio State he is the consummate gentleman recognizing his career and legacy as an athletics pioneer by retiring his jersey number is a way to salute not just the Willis family but the Buckeye program overall Gene Smith himself is a trailblazer as Ohio State's first African-American Director of Athletics, as well as the first black president of the National Association of Collegiate Directors of Athletics. quick break, we'll learn about the man who quite literally knocked Mike Tyson from his perch as world champion. Buster Douglas was born on April 7, 1960, in Columbus. His father was the professional boxer William Dynamite Douglas. Buster's childhood was spent in the Linden neighborhood of Windsor Terrace in North Columbus. Douglas attended the Linden McKinley High School. During his high school years, he played football and basketball and led his team to Class AAA State Basketball Championships. After finishing high school, he attended Coffeyville Community College and played basketball for the Red Ravens. Throughout 1979, he played basketball at the Sinclair Community College and earned a basketball scholarship to Mercyhurst University. After college, Douglas came back to Columbus to focus on boxing. He was in his 20s at the time and quickly became known as the Desert Fox in the city's boxing community due to a misinterpreted encyclopedia entry. Douglas began his boxing career on May 31, 1981, when he defeated Dan O'Malley. He won his first five fights until he met with David Bay, 20 pounds heavier than him, and was knocked out. He won all of his next fights until meeting with Stefan Tangstad, where he and Tangstad had a draw. Douglas continued to fight journeyman fighters over the course of the next year. His largest fight of 1983 was with Mike White, but Douglas lost that one. In November 1983, Douglas was supposed to fight the contender for the heavyweight champion title, Trevor Burbick. Burbick pulled out of the fight just a few days before and Randall Tex Cobb was elected to take his place. During that match, Douglas defeated his opponent. In 1986, Douglas defeated the former champion, Greg Page and earned a shot at the International Boxing Federation Championship. He fought against Tony Tucker, but lost in the 10th round. In 1989, Tucker won over Trevor Burbick and future champion Oliver McCall. This earned him the shot to fight the undisputed heavyweight champion, Mike Tyson. (music) Douglas and Tyson fought on February 11, 1990 at the Tokyo Dome in Japan. The public expected Douglas to be knocked out in the first round but Douglas became the first challenger to take Tyson beyond the fifth round since 1987 and ultimately won the fight. Later that year, Douglas lost the World Heavyweight Champion title to Evander Holyfield. Not content to rest on his laurels, Douglas told USA Today in 2020 on the 30th anniversary of winning the heavyweight champion of the world title that he'd like to take on Mike Tyson again. Sure, I'd welcome the opportunity that was told USA Today Sports. Being a prize fighter all those years and still feeling pretty good today, you always feel you got one more fight left in you. like Bill Willis, Douglas has a connection to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Douglas was one of the few non-students to be honored by Ohio State with the opportunity to dot the I during the performance of The Script Ohio by the Ohio State University Marching Band. And it's worth noting that Mike Tyson himself has an Ohio connection. In his heyday in the 80s, mike tyson lived and trained in cleveland and had a business relationship with cleveland native the legendary boxing promoter don king i always say all roads lead to ohio there's an important postscript that i need to add to this episode It was only after I had released last week's episode that it dawned on me that I had left out Buster Douglas. I mean, in paying homage to athletes who helped put my hometown on the map, how in the hell could I have failed to mention the heavyweight champion of the world? And over the years, I'd heard Bill Willis's name mentioned, but in complete honesty, I didn't really know who he was until I did a Google search of famous people from Columbus and I spent many years working as a reporter for African-American newspapers. However, just as I didn't know the history of the trailblazing African-American lady wrestlers from my hometown until a friend brought them to my attention, I didn't really know Bill Willis's history either. This just goes to show that we often take our history for granted, and sometimes we're completely ignorant of our own history. The purpose of this podcast and of the Lady Wrestler documentary is to hopefully shed light on this history so that it can live on for generations to come. On the next regularly scheduled episode of this podcast, What was the Lady Wrestler's training regimen like? Find out more next time on Lady Wrestler, the story behind the story. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to catch the Lady Wrestler documentary on Amazon Prime Video. In this episode, I used information from and or quoted directly from articles posted online by OhioStateBuckeyes.com, SunSigns.org, and USA Today. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time.